Hello, it's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet. Very fortunate to have on our latest episode of Vet Chat, Chris Copeman, who's a real uh, inspiration for me in the area of sustainability, particularly in sustainable buildings. Uh, Chris has a couple of practices in the sort of Cheshire, Wigan, Warrington area of uh, the UK, qualified from London and um, has always had a love of the outdoors, was a great walker and climber and actually did a very big trip in um, about 10 years ago, which I think we should hear a little bit about because I think there was a, a bit of an epiphany happened during the trip, wasn't there, Chris? Um, hi, hi, Anthony. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, uh, yeah, I sort of did an overland trip across Asia through sort of China and Tibet and India and, and uh, uh, Russia um, but by, by train um, and just sort of seeing, you know, things that are going on in the rest of the world made me sort of, you know, really start to think about sustainability in the environment and, you know, from seeing logging trucks rolling out of the, the jungle in Laos uh but then also on the other hand seeing quite positive things like in china lots of sort of you know re renewable energy wind turbines solar panels and and people zipping around beijing in electric vehicles uh you know even even 10 years ago yeah so it, it, it made me think when i came back that i wanted to do some you know really positive uh things for sustainability in the environment now, I know you're a consultant on Passive House, and I obviously want to talk about that and maybe, you know, you can fill us in on the history of it. But uh, we, we unfortunately didn't cross paths, but we were both up in Glasgow a few weeks ago for a, for a little climate conference that people might have heard of called COP26. So tell me, what, what did you make of that, uh, the, the few days you were up in Glasgow? Oh, it, there was a there was a great atmosphere up there. All the people that had sort of come up, come up there from... Uh, you know, from, from around the world. And I think you, you were in the sort of march on Saturday that, that, that I was in with sort of thousands of people with all sorts of things, that, banners that they'd made and sort of huge models that, that they'd um, taken uh, there. And it, it was sort of re really nice to see all those people there because they, they, they're so keen to see some changes happening. And just talking to those people and that march was amazing. And uh, we even had to have a, had a, polar bear to stay with us a few weeks ago that was walking all the way with its creator to to um to glasgow so we, we walked 300 miles from uh, shropshire with this uh, 10 foot polar bear this 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 guy stayed the night at our house on the, on the mm. way up which is uh interesting. i didn't bump into the polar bear again up there though unfortunately it um, was um yeah it was really excellent i believe there was obviously marches going on all over the country but the glasgow march had over a hundred thousand people in it and uh yeah it was it was really really good i know the day before they'd also had a more of a youth march with greta thunberg and i think there's three constituents isn't there there's government there's individuals there's business actually the more noise that the government has often populist you know they go where they think the votes will be don't they so uh the the protesting is definitely a part of the mix of hopefully make it a better world over the next 10 years because it's such a crucial decade we're now entering isn't it Chris? Yeah I think it's starting to change public opinion a bit as well with you know all of this is just raising these issues to public attention so um, uh, XR and the others a lot of yeah. the other charities and 
people from around the world that were up in Glasgow. It's it's you know it's 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 raised awareness for everybody. And everybody's you know thinking about thinking mm. about these things now. And also, I think you know both as individuals, but also as business owners, businesses big and small can make a big difference. And I was really impressed with some of the things I saw in the green zone, you know, companies like Sainsbury's trying to be more sustainable, uh, you know, in the their use of light and heating. So it's definitely a company you maybe should approach with your passive housing. And then of course, Scottish power that is now completely hundred percent renewables, which I thought was, um, you know, was fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is that Scottish and Southern Energy, is it? Yeah, SSE. Yeah. SSE. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very impressive. I had a chat with, with them as well, and, and they've got all sorts of tidal projects and energy storage projects going. It's amazing, isn't it? Very, very impressive. Yeah. And it's impressive because we still have this system, which is governmental, which gives more subsidy to oil still than it gives. You know, I, I saw a program and the the really cool stuff we're doing on Tidal, where we're leading the world, you know, we really are world beaters. I know it's a word that we've bandied around quite a lot over the last two years, uh, sometimes erroneously, but I think we really are world leaders. But then there isn't the investment being put into that, which means that we kind of lose that uh, knowledge and that ability. Obviously, we've, we've got quite a lot of sea around us, haven't we, Chris? Yeah, yeah, it's and we're, we're building all of this, but it's all foreign companies building the, the wind yeah. turbines and things. But it's, um, yeah, but um, I went up to Shetland a, a couple of years ago and it's incredible the number of winter. I think they're a net, net exporter of energy. Um, yeah. now they're exporting it back to the mainland. I think Scotland was almost a sort of uh exporter of energy, isn't it? I think now, too. yeah, well, I think again on the Scottish uh southern energy stand on some days wind makes up 50 percent of the energy mix and obviously uh that's on a very windy day but you know consistently is now well over a quarter so it's uh it's massive any i think even now with um globally or in the uk the amount of oil and and coal that we're using is is you know low single digits now in in production so there's definitely progress being made you know at business level as well isn't there yeah de yeah def definitely yeah that, I, th I think think that's that's right um yeah th there's 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 a lot of um uh companies doing some 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 good work um mm. i slightly worry about some of the push for hydrogen that we're getting in the northwest and i'm, I'm not convinced that sort of uh the push from hydrogen made from fossil fuels is it is it is the right no. direction yeah. to go in personally yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, I know you obviously first as used to locum with for me as well yes, when I had yeah. my practice. So we go back a long yeah. way. But obviously, then I, I started seeing your name in the in the press as the uh, as a passive house consultant builder. I think of the only passive house veterinary practice in the country that unless another one has sprung up, I think you were definitely the first anyway, weren't you? Yeah. I'm, I'm the first in the UK. There's one in Dublin as, as well. Brilliant. <laughs> they're, they're, they're ahead, ahead of me. Um, yes. Yeah, it, I think it is the first passive house vet. So it's been open about uh, two, 18 months, two years now. Yeah. So we're, we're starting to see, you know, how much energy it takes to run this, this, this building. Mm. Now. I'm, I'm sitting in it at, at, at the moment. Um, 
so yeah and it's sort of it's it's uh, running on you know quite quite a low amount of energy overall i, I would say it's uh, um it, it it produces sort of eight and a half thousand kilowatt hours of energy on its roof uh and uses five thousand kilowatt hours of energy um uh and that's for heating and sort of running sort of all, all the veterinary equipment and mm. Fridges. the lights and so on yeah fridges lights and analyzers and, and um so then, and if you think that you export quite a lot of that solar energy it means that you know we're, we're possibly only using about a thousand kilowatt hours of uh of, of energy in in you know to run this this building which is that uh, annually yeah annu uh, annually yeah. yeah so and if you can you know think that the average house in this country probably uses about 15,000 kilowatt hours of, of, of energy for, for heating and electricity um and and that you know there's no figures for vet surgeries of course but but you know that that would be much higher for, for vet surgeries i would have thought so you mm. probably you know we're probably running on a you know about the 20th the amount of energy that, yeah. that most vet surgeries do i'd, I'd guess which is you know just phenomenal that sort because I remember, you know, obviously a lot more devices coming out now. And I remember at a time, one, one per, I saw a report which said, you know, we need to build so many more um, gas-fired coal stations. And this was a number of years ago. And actually, one of the concepts then was actually just by the A registration television or the A quality refrigerator, because if we can just save energy on devices, that will be massive. But yeah. this is taking it to the nth degree this is where your house is the device isn't it yeah i think that the international energy association has said that the, the biggest energy resource that we've got is energy conservation and i think there is yeah. some some real truth in that and yeah all these devices that have um that have reduced their energy use you know from from hoovers to tvs that's made mm. a sort of big difference in in uh in in, in um energy demands in this country I just wanted to also go in because I know, um, you know, within all of that sustainability in practice, yes, of course, you can reduce energy. But of course, we we know that our anesthetic gases pollute the atmosphere. Um, if they get out into the atmosphere, they're actually uh, much more potent than CO2, albeit they don't stay around for as long. Just tell me a little bit about what your doing and if there's any interesting developments that we should know about about gaseous anesthesia you know from your side as a you know practicing veterinary veterinary surgeon right well, well uh, first i'm not an expert on this and, and um, but i read an uh, excellent article by ellie west the other day in the vet record and and um you know, that sort of really made me think further about about this but um uh we 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 try and use rebreathing circuits as much as possible so humphrey ade and circles and mini lac circuits um uh, to try and reduce our anesthetic gas and we're starting to use sedative combinations that, that, that mean that there's less anesthetic required um and we're thinking about moving to sevafluorane from isofluorane which I, I think is I think there's quite a cost implication to that, but I think her, her article stated that, you know, there's four times less global warming potential with a sevafluorane. So, um, uh, yeah, that, so that seems like quite a good reason to sort of, you know, to, to move over to it, I think. 
Um, if there was a, a way to capture the waste gases, uh, which I know some hospitals are starting to do now in the UK, um, that would be something I'd, I'd be keen to sort of investigate because I think the, the, the carbon footprint of, mm. uh, of vol volatile anaesthetic agents is, is huge, isn't it? So yeah, something no, that definitely. you need to address. Yeah. One of the things we try to do with the podcast is, is obviously send people away with some hope about what they can do. And obviously not everybody's going to build a passive house. Some people have got a building they've got to work with. I know as part of the passive house, as you said, you've got the solar panels. I believe you've also uh, invested in a in an air source heat pump as well. What would your thoughts be around buildings, around making them more energy efficient that people can do in practice that is affordable? And obviously this is where government comes in because I know you've, you've fitted a, an air source heat pump and you've not been given any subsidy for doing that from the government yes yeah yeah um yeah that's um i mean air, air source heat pumps are a, a brilliant idea um the uh they take one unit of electricity and and turn that into four units of of, of heat uh, an air source heat pump we, we all have them in our house a so fridge is 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 uh, is this is exactly the same technology as an air source heat pump but it's just used to make something colder instead of warmer so so i think that's definitely something that uh we could we we should we should be using uh to, to heat uh, vet practices um the one that we fitted here is is brilliant um it you, you never sort of have to do anything with it it's just there running all the time and you know not, not using a great deal great deal of energy so um but um there's very good subsidies for domestic installation of these. Is something called a renewable heat incentive, um, uh, where you you can get sort of, you know, get your money back, which it, it can cost from sort of seven thousand to ten thousand uh, pounds. You get your money back through the, through this grant system at the moment, and that's going to change to five thousand pounds a year from next year. Uh, but that's still, I think, just for domestic. Um, so, but there are such cheaper ways that you can do this you can just use an ordinary air conditioning unit and, and you can use that for heating and that will that is a heat pump in itself so that will take one unit of electricity and make four units of heat so incredible incredible efficient device so, so even just putting an, an air conditioning unit in and using it as a heater is useful but mm. um passive house is very much about fabric first building so it's very much about it's 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 it's, it's about super insulating a building making it very air airtight, uh, triple glazing, uh, using sort of solar gain with, with windows at south facing at elevations, um, and then using heat recovery ventilation, which, which is a ventilation system which recovers the heat from sort of air being taken out, stale air, and then passes that heat through a heat exchanger into fresh air coming in. So, and, and although in a passive house, you've got all of these te technologies there that doesn't mean that we can't apply these to sort of you know to other buildings and and um i've, I've retrofitted my house to passive house standard as as well um uh, one of the first in the, in the north north of england how old is your your own house that you uh, live in is that an old house 1940s yeah, um so quite yeah. old so yeah it's quite quite a lot of work to do that that took a good year to do but but you know we, we don't you don't have to go to this 
you know, this is sort of the highest building standard yeah. in the world, passive house. We don't have to go that far. And certainly if you use technologies like air source heat pumps, which, you know, are such a sort of amazing, efficient technology, you know, just a bit of insulation can, 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 can be enough to really help. And, you know, even mm. if you just, if you, if you take, a lot of us will be working in buildings that are just sort of solid brick walls uh, with no insulation. If you, if you just add, five centimeters of insulation to that wall um so uh just on on the inside or on the outside you'll reduce your heat loss from that building by five times Hmm. so um you you know just just putting insulation into a building when you can if you're doing any uh building work if if you if, if you if you're refitting a building if you've got damp walls you can solve a lot of problems like that by by insulating Mm. uh those those walls so insulation is one thing i think that we should we should be trying to do with 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 uh, all our buildings and in a passive house you have 20 to 30 centimeters of insulation and obviously you can't go quite that far with it with a lot of houses uh but um so so insulation if you're refitting windows think about putting triple glazing in rather than double because the sort of energy savings are huge um something that's they're not really very popular in this country yet yet but in in other countries you can't buy double glazing anymore such as sweden um uh then ventilation systems i think is something that aren't fitted a great deal in in vet surgeries and ones i've I've worked in generally and i think they can be really good for health of your patients Mm. and people particularly and team as well yeah of course yeah particularly Particularly when you when you if you look at sort of viruses proliferate when you have you know high and low humidity you really want mm. your humidity levels controlled and a, and, a, and a heat recovery ventilation or ventilation systems generally will help control that humidity level reducing the spread of viruses and also you're you're exchanging the air so you can get a heat recovery ventilation device that will mm. fit in the in in the wall for for about a hundred quid from a company like ventaxia so you don't have to put a whole building ventilation system in like like we have in this building which yeah um and of course with with the pandemic and viruses you know i was actually at an event and and nine of us were in the room and four came out with covid so clearly that is a a ventilation problem as well isn't it yeah i think that's going to be something that will be thought about a lot a lot more in the future uh, and at the moment, we rely in the average building. You rely on ventilation is totally open, dependent. Open on, the door and windows. Yeah, it's <sighs> actually because they're built to be fairly drafty houses in this country. And and it might, if it's windy, you're going to have a good bit of ventilation. If it's not windy, you, you might yes. have no ventilation um, yeah. in your building. So with a passive house, you seal the building up and test it to make sure it's very airtight, which uh, stops. Uh, bypass of air through through the insulation and then you supply just the right amount of ventilation for your building and extract from wet mm. rooms and and supply to sort of living areas um so so you know very very useful thing to put in into 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 and you can retrofit you know some very sort of small uh discrete units to to, to do this sort of very there's mm. quite a few companies around um supplying these sort of things um so yeah yeah, ventilation windows insulation um 
uh, and and uh, I think these are all things that, that, that we could be doing to our, our vet practices to make them nicer buildings to work in. Um, it's thought that you feel uh, you feel cold in a room if you have cold surfaces around you. So it's not just about cranking the heating up always. You know, actually, if you have a, a cold wall uh, in front of you, you know, you can actually sense the cold from from that from that wall. So if you start mm. to insulate. Uh, walls and, and put triple glazing and you know that you can actually set your heating a little bit lower because then you won't you won't feel as cold yeah no chris this is really interesting and you know buildings are obviously a, a huge i know um i did a climate fresh game at cop 26 and you know building is a huge part of that whole production of carbon as well so anything that reduces carbon use in the construction industry you know we have yeah. to look more seriously at and i know obviously passive house from germany there are many many houses in germany built to this really exacting standard aren't there well there's a lot there's a lot all over the world and there's you know there's thousands in this country now, now as, as as well mm. um and you're right the embodied energy when you when you just build a building is quite a big part of it and i think at cop there was some talk about you know how we need to make more buildings from wood and mm. I, I think um this building is almost completely made of uh wood um the insulation in the walls is made out of recycled paper uh and it, it has minimal concrete it sits, sits on a sort of mm. on, on a raft of insulation um so yeah i think we have to look at the embodied energy of of you know when, when we make buildings and, and perhaps move away from the traditional brick building that bricks and mortar yeah definitely yeah chris you know you you really are inspirational in this area because it as i say it's a massive area that we can improve on uh, thank you for those useful tips which hopefully people can have a little think about and uh, and you know see what they can do uh, i know solar panels as you've said sometimes we can put them before we do the insulation but if if insulation is difficult which I know in an old house like mine is a bit more tricky, then at least the solar panels are producing stuff as well, aren't they? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I think um, you know every every building should have solar panels on it. Really, it seems um, you know like a like a, a a really sensible thing to do. Yeah, good good good. Um, good Easy win. For, good on you for putting those on there, Anthony. Yeah. No, Chris. Thank you so much. Uh, hope. Uh, to hopefully see you soon and thanks everyone for listening thanks bye